Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and I'm pumped for the interview today. We're going to talk about funnel optimization, specifically for online courses, but we'll be able to expand this to other business models as well. We'll also talk about email list building. This is really exciting for me because I'm talking to John Ainsworth, and I've listened to probably a few hours of his interviews Um just over the years and just kind of worked out that we were, we're going to do some interviews together. So if you don't know John, he is the CEO and founder of Data Driven Marketing, and they help online course creators increase revenue by a very specific amount. This is a 4.86x <laughs> on average, and that's the average, of course, but he has a degree in math, which I didn't realize before, and about 20 years experience building and optimizing funnels. So he's conducted extensive data analysis of hundreds of millions of dollars of online business to create the field of strategic funnel optimization, which is pretty cool. And 20 years experience in this field is quite a lot. So we're going to dig into all the details, hear about his backstory, and hopefully learn a lot. So John, thanks for joining me today. How are you? Great, Doug. Thanks very much for having me. And let's, I mean, we know each other a little bit. And I, of course, you know, stalked you online as a, a podcast listener for a little while. So I know a little of your backstory, but can you talk about how you got into digital marketing and how you ended up focusing on online courses? So I worked in fitness marketing for a lot of years. I had this mission that I decided on when I was like early 20s, I think. I was going to help get inactive people into physical activity. And so I did a lot of stuff working with uh, governments around the world. I worked with health charities and was trying to get people like cancer patients and disabled people and over 65s and um, all kinds of different like hard to reach groups into physical activity. And one, I started to get really frustrated after a number of years because I realized that the people who work in those kind of organizations make decisions based on politics, not based on results. And they didn't actually know what they were spending per person active. So I'm working my ass off trying to get like the costs down. Am I allowed to swear on here? Yeah, you can. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I'm working my ass off trying to get the the cost per person active down. And they didn't even know what they were currently spending. They just did the stuff that sounded good to the politicians and they they didn't really care about whether we actually made it more efficient. Uh, eventually, I started to get sick of that. So I moved over into working in more kind of private sector fitness stuff. So I was working with kickboxing clubs and gyms and yoga classes and that kind of stuff. And pretty soon, I found that all the things that I was doing to get these inactive people, these really hard to reach groups interactivity, worked way, way better with groups where they were just trying to target people who wanted to do activity. And so really soon we found that we could fill up these these kickboxing clubs or these gyms or what have you. So I had a friend, Chris, and Chris was a martial arts instructor and he ran these classes, in his, um, but he also worked as a personal trainer because he didn't make enough money from the martial arts classes. So I started teaching, I showed him like, oh, why don't you set up a funnel? And he's like, what's a funnel? And I was like, oh, okay, right. <laughs> Let's go back to basics here. And I set him up with some basic Facebook ads and um, a an SMS service for sending out text messages to people get them to turn up for these free sessions. And it was like really, really straightforward. And he went from it being his part-time gig to making like 
50, 60,000 pounds a year, which I, I don't know what it is exactly, but something like 70, 80,000 dollars, I guess. And um, he did that in like 10 hours a week and he was just delighted. He was like, this is amazing. I was like, but it, once he'd done that, he didn't need help from me anymore. Like I was doing it for him as a favor, but it's like, it, it really was obvious that there was a fixed supply there. Even if there's lots of demand, there's a really fixed supply. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to ditch this stuff of working with government, let me go find somewhere that's got an unlimited supply. So I started out, I tried working with e-commerce businesses and SaaS businesses and online course creators and all kinds of things. And I just found that I really loved working with online course creators. They tend to be people who are experts in their field already. They started making all this content to put out onto the internet for free because people, they thought it would be useful to people. And then they built up an audience, which took a long time and they got really good at it. And then people asked them to make a course so they could actually teach more of this stuff. And they made that. And they they kind of got really good at those things, making and building an audience, making courses, but they never learned how to actually make money. And so they weren't really making nearly as much money as they as they could and they should be doing. Um, and so we started working with those guys. And then, like you said, over the years, we've last time we did the average, it was 486% increase in revenue. It's probably a little bit different now. But um, yeah, that's uh, that's been the journey. That's awesome. And can you tell me, I'm, I'm intrigued on the, the math degree. I was mm-hmm. a bit of a math nerd uh, growing up. I ended up getting an engineering degree. How did you get into marketing from, from the math area? Was that an easy transition or just kind of worked out that way? So I started out in sales. When I was a student, I used to do this job going door to door selling books. So I'd actually travel out to America every year in my summer holidays, and I would knock on doors and sell these books, commission only, and make money from that. And so going from that into marketing was actually not that tricky. I kind of I went through this book called the. Uh, let me see if I can remember. What color is your parachute? It was about how to get your ideal job. And it helps you to figure out what things you actually really like doing. The only reason I'd done maths was because I was good at it. And everyone seemed to be impressed by the fact that it was good at maths because everybody else found it difficult. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do in life. I was 18. I'm like, you know, so I did that. And then what I found from there is marketing at the time, what I was doing when I first started was a lot more about the creative ideas and what have you. But over the t- over time, as we've got you know Google ads and Facebook ads and sales funnels and click funnels and all these different software, it's much more, a, there's a big section of marketing that is about understanding data. And so that has over time actually become more and more useful. When I was starting out 20 years ago in it, it was like, that's eh, fine. You know, you know, you understand data, cool. But there wasn't enough data to actually really do much with. Whereas now it's like it's incredible and very few people who are content creators foremost understand the power of understanding their data they don't get that it's that important it's not their background it's not their shtick they hate spreadsheets and we love spreadsheets and so we can go in and find all of this rich information that they don't ever look at okay that makes perfect sense and i want to underscore something from your previous answer that we kind of glossed over but you ended up working with course creators because they're already further ahead than most people. Like most people are beginners, right? They don't have an audience or trying to figure out like, do I do social media? Do I do a blog? Do I mess around with YouTube? But if someone has already created a course and maybe they're selling a couple of them, they already have an audience. They kind of figured out those basics and you don't want to teach that stuff. You are solely focused on optimizing that funnel. So 
we have a big range of people that listen and watch the show. So a lot of people are kind of familiar with funnels, but can you just give like a, a basic definition for people that don't understand what a sales funnel is? Yeah. So sales funnels, all of the steps from when somebody first hears about you to when they become a repeat customer. So in online course sales, what that means is, let's say you're running a YouTube channel as your way of getting traffic, right? It's everything from someone sees your video on YouTube to signing up onto your email list, to then getting emails from you that are promoting your products, then getting to the sales page, then going to the checkout page, and then buying the course from you, maybe buying an upsell as well, an additional product. And then all of the process after that, where they get uh, useful emails, getting them to actually use the course, to actually go through the course, and then offering them more courses in the future. Maybe you're offering them a more expensive product as well. That All of those bits that are about how do you get someone to take that next step, that's your sales funnel. Okay, perfect. And one, I mean, it's, it's, it was part of the intro, you know, the, your team sent over, which is great. I need to get everyone to send the uh, introduction for the guest. It makes it far easier. <laughs> But one of the things is you say that you can help some course creators two to five X their revenue through funnel optimization. So I'm going to leave it as a broad question. I suspect you either have sort of a a hierarchy or a step-by-step or at least bullet points. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Feel free to pause if you want to take a breath, but I'll let you launch into it and I'll ask follow-up questions. Yeah, so there's... Three main things that people make mistakes with. So what happens is online course creators in particular, they focus on two things, creating content to drive traffic and then creating courses. And the third step is their sales funnel. How do you get the people in your audience to buy your courses? How do you connect those two things together? And most people's funnel is like a leaky bucket. It's like driving with the brakes on. There's just holes in, you know, in this funnel everywhere. There's, there's lots of different issues with it. And the three main problems that people have are their revenue per sale is too low. The amount of email subscribers who are buying each month is too low. And their email list is too small. So those are the three problems. So if you flip those on the head and you look at what is it that you want to have, you want to have high revenue per sale, a high percentage of your email list buying every month, and a big email list. So I can dive into, if you want me to, I can dive into like each of those in turn as to like what you'd actually do to improve that. But that's the overall model. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, I would love it if you went deeper into each of those and if you have any industry standard or benchmark for each of them since you mentioned revenue per customer, you know, per year or month or whatever. So benchmarks would be good, which... I know we'll vary from niche to niche or industry to industry, but what are we aiming at too? Okay. So if you're selling your own courses, you've got your own product, the first place to start is with increasing your revenue per sale. Now, if you're doing an authority site, an affiliate site, niche site, what have you, you can't do much about this. It's probably worth understanding. So you know where to go in the future if you do decide to start selling your own courses. But it's by far the easiest way to increase your revenue if you've got your own products. So there's two things that you can do here that are really straightforward. There are there are other tactics, but these are the two that I just want to talk you through today to like give you an instant thing that you can go and implement. And those are order bumps and upsells. And people get confused between these two things, so I'll explain as clearly as I can what the difference is. So an order bump is an additional product that you have on the checkout page. Now, the concept of these two things is the same, but it, the order bump is specifically done on the checkout page. The upsell 
is done on the confirmation page after someone's checked out. So someone puts their credit card details in and they get a confirmation page and that's offering them another product. That's known as an upsell. The only reason you need to know the difference between these is because of the way that you implement it in terms of what you write. And secondly, in terms of what the feature is called in the checkout software. You know, if you're using Thrivecart or Kajabi or Teachable or Thinkific or whatever, these are the actual names that they'll use in there. So an order bump can increase your revenue by about 20%. And how much money that means depends on what your current sales are. But if you add an order bump in that's that's good, then on average we found that 19% of people who... Um, sorry... 19% additional revenue you get from it. That's the like average we've seen across all of our clients. And you get about 20 to 50% of people who are buying the products, your main product, who will then also get this order bump, this additional offer. Now, the reason the order bump's first is because it's so simple to do. All you need to do is find an existing product you've got, add it in, in the order bump functionality. Nearly every checkout software has got this. And you write three or four lines explaining what it is. You put it on discount by like 30%, 50%, something like that. You ideally want the price of this to be about a third of your of the product that you're selling. So let's say you're selling a course for 99 bucks. You sell an order bump for, let's say, $37. You take something you'd normally sell for 70 or 99 or whatever. You reduce the price down to 37 something like that. And you offer that on the checkout page. And that's it. Like the version one, you probably won't get. 50% of people buying it, you might start off with 10 or 20 and you might need to refine and tweak and what have you. But you get that straight away. So I had a client uh, in our group coaching program called David, who he was selling home recording studio courses. And he went through and implemented this the next day after I told him about it. He didn't know this feature existed in Kajabi. He just went ahead and, and looked it up, found it um, after I explained it to him and he put something in there. And it wasn't done well, but it was done immediately. And he made about 20% additional revenue from that from then on forever. And I've had people come up to me at conferences who this is the only thing that like, people know me as the order bump guy at these at these conferences because I'm like, I bang on about them so much. And people come up, I had someone the other day, like a couple of weeks ago, come up and said, I implemented that order bump that you told me about and I make about 5,000 bucks extra every month from it. He's like, I owe you a beer. I was like, you owe me a lot more than a beer, dude. <laughs> but he hadn't implemented tactic number two. So I'll get to that in a minute. But order bumps the first one. That's where you kind of start. Very cool. Yep. And I, again, I have listened to um, some of your interviews on the Tropical MBA. You went over a similar thing. Uh, well, actually, this exact thing. I use Kajabi. And exactly like you said, it's like a 15-minute thing to just add and an, an order bump it's right there you just click the checkbox and it's it's all integrated really well yeah it's, it's super straightforward and so the crucial thing with this is most people some people get carried away and they want to make the perfect order bump that would be exactly right start with something because then that whole time while you're getting around to making the perfect one you're making more money and it's like isn't that nice wouldn't that be nice and people get to get an additional product from you at a great discount so the upsell, like I said, the upsell is technically implemented on the confirmation page. So someone's put their credit card details in, they've hit submit, maybe they bought the order bump, maybe they didn't. And after they hit submit, then they see another page that says, thanks so much for buying ABC course. While that's going to be on its way to you in like the next five minutes via email, in the meantime, we've got this great discount on this extra, this additional course. And this one is probably going to be like, what's the next step that somebody could take? So if we're working with a client, we're doing an audit with a client, we'll go through and we'll make a plan of exactly what product goes where. But for now, just have a quick think about it and go, okay, if they've bought course one, 
do you have course two that would be the next obvious step that you could sell them as well? And this would be about the same kind of price as the main product they've just bought. And so we had a client, he was doing um, language learning courses and he set up the order bump and the upsell. And within like 14 days, he was making, he made an additional $2,000. And he now makes about four to four to $6,000 more on average just from having this. Now he was already doing like 30,000, right? So if you're just, if you're just getting started, you won't make that much extra, but you make this additional 20% from the upsells as well. 20% from order bumps and another 20% from upsells. Okay. Is there a price uh, guideline as well? So you mentioned for the order bump, about 30% of whatever the, the main uh, purchase is. So any guidelines for the upsell? Yeah, about the same as your original product, maybe a little bit more. So let's say you're selling a $99 course with your main product. The upsell is then going to be 99, 129, 149, 199, something in that kind of ballpark. But if you don't have anything else like that, and all you've got is a much more expensive one, still use that. Like, so we had a client, actually, no, not even a client. This is just a, a friend I was giving advice to. Um, and he had, I think his original product was 499 reduced to 299. And then the only thing he had available as an upsell was a $2,000 offer. And he's like, well, hardly anybody's going to buy that. And that was true. Hardly anybody bought it. But it's $2,000. It's quite a lot of money. So the ones who did buy it, it added up, right? I think he had like 2% or 5% of people. So yeah, about 2 or 3% it was of people who bought the main product also bought the $2,000 one. But that added a lot of, that's a lot of extra revenue. So that really added up for him. So whatever you've got, put something in place there. And technically, the way you do it with an upsell is it's, it's a sales page. It's a traditional sales page like your existing sales pages. You just copy that across as the upsell sales page. But at the top, you say your the product you've just ordered is on its way to you. In the meantime, check this out so that people know that they've actually the order went through to begin with. And you put a discount on this. Give about 30% off whatever you'd normally sell it for so that people want to take action now instead of go, well, I could just get it anytime. You want You need to give some kind of a discount. Okay. For the people that are nervous about adding the extra stuff, they're like, someone just wants to buy it. They don't want to hassle mm -hmm. their customers. Do you have any suggestions for the mindset that they need to go ahead and fucking sell the stuff, right? <laughs> Imagine you're going to McDonald's, right? Last time you went in and you say, can I get a Big Mac? What do they say to you? Do you want fries, drink? Yeah, yeah. That's basically the same concept, right? Okay. It's like, do you, do you get offended when they ask you if you want fries and a drink? It's like, you really don't, right? Maybe you don't want fries and a drink, but you don't get upset about it. You're just like, no, thanks, I'm all right. I'll just say the Big Mac. If you go to, if you want to buy an iPhone, you go onto Apple's website, right? And you add to cart to get an iPhone, check out how many additional things they have on the page there of what else you can buy. This is just how business is done. You just do it now. You don't do it aggressively. I think one of the things that's turned people off from, especially from the upsells, is that sometimes marketers ruin everything because they're really aggressive. And they're like, you know, really aggressive direct response marketers, the ones who used to underline everything in red back in the day, you know, or, or uh, right now they'd have headlines in red and they'd underline stuff in yellow. I remember that back in the 90s. That was like the early, early noughties. That kind of stuff. You don't have to do all of that. Don't be aggressive with this. Don't say to people, you know, unless you buy this second product that I've got here, your life will be a failure. Your kids will never love you. You know, just like, just say, we've got this additional product. 
once you finish course one, you're going to need to know the stuff that's in course two. And just to reward you for the fact that you've just bought something from me, I'm willing to let you get it now at a discount if you want to. That's it. It's like it's not. It's it's nice. It's friendly. It's helpful that、like、you could actually say this to somebody in person and feel good about it. You know, someone comes along and joins up at your gym. You could say, "Great, that's an amazing decision you've made to join the gym. We're going to really help you to get into great shape. Do you also need any help with your nutrition? Do you want to buy some gym kit, whatever, and then help them with the next stage? These are actual problems they're going to face that your other courses solve. You've got good courses. Like if you don't have good courses, sort that out. <laughs> like, don't sell courses that are no good. But if you've got good courses, then it's helping people. So, I, yeah, it's it's really a blockage that you just don't need to have. Very good. Okay, so that overall helps improve、um, the revenue per customer. Any tips in that、yeah. area? Anything else? No, I mean order bumps and upsells is like so much the places to start. You don't need to start worrying about doing anything else until you've got those two in place. And I think the other overall things about increasing the number of sales and increasing your list size are the next ones to do before you go back and start to refine and improve the revenue per sale. Okay, a、uh, quick follow up. So let's say someone just has like one flagship course and、mm-hmm. they don't have anything else available. Should they try to develop a smaller course so that they could at least do the order bump, or should they move on to the next step? Here, is there some some kind of guideline to tell them the priority? Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff you can do quite creatively around this, trying to figure out what else could it be that you would be selling. So, first thing to do is sit down and look at what is anything that you've ever sold. Is there anything that you've sold to people that is good that isn't included in your main flagship product? So, for example, do you have any additional Q and A webinars that you've ever done? Do you have additional coaching that you ever do that people could buy? You know, if you're willing to do additional coaching,、um, you can include that. I think is that something you do when you're selling your courses, coaching, right? Yep, I have coaching in there. Yep. Yeah, so if people could, if there if there's some coaching included, sell them, you know, offer them the chance to buy some more. If there's no coaching included, offer them to buy some. Maybe that's from you, maybe that's from somebody else, what have you. So that's another way of doing it. Maybe there is、um, future products that you're thinking of making that you can offer people the the chance to get at a massive discount. If and then if enough of them buy it, then you. Actually, create the course, and if they don't buy it, then you、uh, you never you refund them the money, and you never actually make it. Obviously, you have to make it really, really clear that the course doesn't exist yet. If you're going to do that, another thing you can do is you could sell somebody else's course. So maybe let's just say, for sake of argument, you've got a course about English grammar, but you don't do anything about pronunciation. But your friend Sarah has a great course about pronunciation. Ask Sarah, could I sell your course, and we'll split the money fifty fifty. And then you added that in as well. Like, like you said, a lot of people listening、um, have got affiliate sites, and they understand there's all of these other offers out there in the world that you could also sell. Somehow, when people start selling their own courses, they forget they could also sell other people's ones as well. So you can go make a deal with somebody in order to do that.、Um, but a lot of times, people have already got something that exists that they could be selling. They've just forgotten that they have it, or they could sell some other time, and they just they don't they don't think of that as an option. If they go through that and they're like, "No, there is nothing. There's nothing of mine that I've made. There's no time that I want to sell. I don't want to sell anybody else's course." Then I'd say, "Yes, move on to the next stage." But probably that's not the case.
Okay. And just to riff on one of the ideas that you mentioned, someone could have maybe a four-week like live Q&A group coaching situation that they can record, and then they'll ha- have that as the bonus in the future. So they just have to do it the one time around, and then they could treat it as an asset for the upsell in the future. So you could be creative, mix and match some of these ideas, and maybe you can partner with someone, sell uh their course as an affiliate and do a little coaching thing. So there's like, oh, wow, there's a huge amount of value and you could kind of layer it on. So, all right, great. Let's move on to the next area of optimization. So the next thing is sending regular, charming email promotions. So here's what happens in the course. And this works for affiliate sites as well. And I think a lot of affiliate affiliate sites aren't doing enough around email as well. And I, I, I want to check in on that with you because I don't work generally with affiliate sites, but that's the impression I get. So what happens in course businesses is they generally have an email list. They have some way of opting in. Maybe they just say sign up for a newsletter. Maybe they've got a lead magnet at the moment. They have people sign up to their email list. They might send out a welcome sequence. They might send out like a weekly or a monthly newsletter. And then two or three times a year, they do email promotions. So it's probably Black Friday, July 4th, maybe it's their birthday, something like that, two or three times. And when you look at their revenue, there's this massive spike when they do an email promotion. But if you ask them, why don't you do more of their e- these email promotions? They say, because I don't want to annoy my audience. And this is the blockage that people have, right? And there's two things about this that are really, really important. One, if you write really good emails, then you're not actually going to annoy your audience. It's actually people are actually a lot of people are going to really, really like getting these emails from you. And secondly, if some people unsubscribe, it's okay. It's allowed. You don't have to feel like you have a personal relationship with every single person in your audience. Like you're allowed to send out these email promotions. But I think the bigger part of it is being able to write email promotions that you're actually proud of, that you actually really, really like and that people like receiving. So we've had a client this week. We've been writing the email promotions for him, and he was really nervous about sending this out. He's like, it's too many emails. People aren't going to like it. I don't think this is a good idea. Um, And he really felt like a, a strong relationship with his audience. And he sent through to us uh, some feedback about um, what he had uh what he'd experienced and he actually got really, really good feedback from his audience. So the people who were sending emails out to were emailing him back and saying, this is brilliant. I really, really love this stuff. Thanks so much for sending out all these useful tips all week. And that's helping him to go like, Oh, okay, right. This, I can feel good about, I can feel proud of this even. And I think the problem is most people think when you're sending an email promotion, all you do is just sell, sell, sell. Now, in any given email promotion, 99% of people in your email list aren't going to buy. So if all you did is sell, 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 it's really annoying. People will unsubscribe. So what you need to do is provide value at the same time as you're making the sale, the same time as you're offering something for sale. And if you do that, you're golden. You get to be comfortable, your audience likes it, and you make more money. Perfect. I do run into this all the time with... Yeah, whether it's affiliate marketers or just someone who has an email list, even if they're not selling anything, they don't want to annoy the audience, but you got to send the emails. And once you get over it, 
it's not too bad. And, and I, I've heard it, uh, you know, over and over again, it's, you know, the value can come in information or entertainment. So you don't always yeah. have to provide like the best how-to in the world. All your emails are not going to be the best, right? Some of them are going to be kind of shitty. Not if you're, you know, if you're helping out someone, they're going to be good emails, but I write my own emails and sometimes uh, it's not that great, but you give it a shot. So do you have any like entertainment emails in the sequence where it's just like, hey, this is fun. This is something personal about um, wh- whoever uh, sending out the emails or something like that. Yeah, so there's a whole mixture of we're trying to make sure people have, are enjoying reading the emails, even if they don't actually do any of the stuff from it and provide information and help people understand the problem area more so that they want to solve it and promote the course. We're trying to do all of those things at once, right? Now, that's a lot. If you're starting out with this, it's a lot to try and do all of it. So I'm going to give a couple of different frameworks, if that's all right, of like ways that people can do this. Cool. All right. So the easiest way to do it, the way to, that, that I think people can start with if everything else is kind of terrifying to them, is you take one little tip, one useful tip from in your course each day, and you send that out as your, your email. So let's say you're selling um, something about um, dog training, right? So here's a tip on the thing to do if your dog is, let's say you're particularly at the moment, you're going to sell a course around puppy training. So, okay, let's include a tip around the thing to do with your dog if you are really annoyed at it. You get really annoyed at your dog, don't shout at it and tell it off, take a deep breath, calm down, and you know, I don't know much about dog training, right? I've never trained a puppy, but like I'm just trying to imagine what it might be, right? Um, calm, calm yourself down and then show the dog what it is it's supposed to do. Take it outside so it can pee outside, whatever it is. Um, so you've got your tip. It's probably better than that, right? But you've got your tip about your whatever it is you're going to help them with. And at the bottom of that email, say, if you want more of these useful tips and help and information, we've actually got a whole course that we sell about this. You can buy it on discount this week for 30% off. Here's a link to the page. And that's it, right? And then every day that week, send out another useful tip from in your course and link to the main course. Nobody's possibly going to get upset about that. It's super easy to do. It's just sharing information. So that's like version one that allows people to get started. Do one of those. If you've got a bunch of courses, do one of those every month. If you're selling um, affiliate courses or you're selling affiliate products or what have you, every every week or a couple of times a month or whatever it is, send out a series of tips about that topic linking off to whatever it is that you're selling and then whenever it's going on discount. Let me now give you the slightly more advanced version of this. So this one is uh, nine emails that we do over two weeks. This is what we do internally when we're writing emails for our clients. It's what we train our our, um, done with you clients to do for themselves. It is problem, agitation, solution, gain, logic, fear, going, going, gone. And I'll explain for each of those what's actually included in it. So the problem agitation solution is in week one. There's three emails over the course of one week. We normally do it like Monday, Wednesday, Friday. They are, there's no option to buy the course in there. We're not promoting the course. We're not talking about the course. We don't link to it. There's no discount available for that week. The point of these are warm up emails about that topic. So you've got some specific topic. Let's say you're selling courses on Google shopping ads and you've got a specific module or specific course about tracking how you track 
the ads and KPIs you set up and how you actually check where you've, you've got all the right numbers to be able to look at this. The problem agitation solution is a setup for that where you're talking about tracking numbers and why that's important and how that all works. So the problem one, you start out with a story where you're telling people about the actual problem that they're probably facing at the moment and you show that you understand their current situation or you talk about a problem that you had or you talk about a problem that a client had. And you open up the loop and start talking about this and say, on Wednesday, I'm going to send you through an email where I'm going to explain a little bit more about why this problem happens. So then Wednesday comes around and they get an email that refers back to Monday's one. And it says, you know, if you've noticed that you've got this problem, this thing has come up for you before, it's totally normal. Other people have this as well. Here's why this happens. And you start to dig into that and explain it. And you get to the point of why is that thing um, an issue? Why is it they need to understand it? Why is it they should be better at it? How is it going to help them in their life? The overall concept of it. And then you say, and in Friday's email, I'm going to give you some tips on what you can actually do about it. And then on Friday, you explain those useful tips and you set them up. So they're like, oh, cool. Right. Now I understand why this thing was happening to me. I understand why it needs solving. And I know a little bit about how to solve it. And in that one, you say next week, we're going to be talking about our course where you can actually learn how to fix this properly. And it's going to be on discount next week. So then the people who read those emails are much more likely to read the emails the week after because they know that something useful is coming. They're, everything they've read has been relevant to them and their problem. So that's all the setup. And then the gain logic fear ones are you're still mostly focusing these emails around content more than promotion. But you're talking to people about what would they gain by solving this problem? If you solve this problem, whether it's by our, buying our course or any other way, here's how your life is going to be materially better afterwards. The logic one is all the logical reasons for solving this. So statistics, data, anything you've got in terms of um, examples of like the actual numbers of what this is going to mean for them logically. The fear one, it's, I got this name of this, uh, this sequence from Ryan Dice from Digital Marketer. I think fear is a little strong, certainly the way we do it. We're talking to people more about what is it they might be nervous would happen and how is that solved by implementing, by, but how can that be solved to make sure that problem never comes up for them? So you're kind of showing you understand their emotions here. The going, going, gone are more promotional. So you're going to include here things like case studies, testimonials, frequently asked questions. If I was going to say just one way of doing it to make this straightforward for people, I'd say the first one is a testimonial. The second one is the second going email is frequently asked questions. And then the last one is just saying this is going, the discount's going to be finished in three hours. That's basically it. So most of those nine emails are content and are useful. The last one's going, going, gone is much more promotional, but um, it's not like here's why you have to buy this other one. You know, some of the marketing, direct marketing people, you know, like they really get quite aggressive on it. You don't need to do that at all. You make sure this is like answering all of their questions. You're giving them the reasons why this might make sense. And you're reminding them they've got a discount that's available for that week. And if you do that well, then you will get a good amount of sales. So we've got a client in the language learning space she was averaging a few thousand a month. She had a big YouTube channel, but she was only averaging a few thousand dollars a month. She's now making an average of $200,000 every month. And she does these email promotions religiously. She always comes on the group coaching calls. She always plans out with us what she's going to write. She sends out the promotions. She does it like really, really well. She's got a big audience, right? So she's got an email list of like 400,000 or something like that. So not everybody can make that much money. But, you know, it's just I want to kind of give an extreme example, just almost make the point, make people think this is this is worth doing.
Wow. Huge value in that. And it turns out I I, th- I learned a lot from a digital marketer. And uh, what's his yeah. name? Ryan? Ryan Dice. Dice, yeah. that's right. So I think I have the book on my shelf that he wrote like whatever, 10 years ago, eight years ago, something. But anyway, I have... Turns out the exact sequence that you're talking about. So <laughs> the, the preceding week, three emails, and then six emails, two on the last day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it's exactly that. And five-day launch, it sounds like, like Monday to Friday mm-hmm. or something. Okay. Yeah. 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 The exact sequence. So yeah, if people are into courses, like it's a really good sequence. And I like the framework that you provided for the second week, the actual launch week. I, for the last couple of years, I've generally just sent out, I think the majority are case studies or testimonials. And I maybe need to dial in the the fear one. And maybe, I mm-hmm. mean, I, I view it as like, sort of like uh, the Tim Ferriss idea of like fear setting, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. here's what you might think could go wrong, but here's how like we have a safety net for you via the course. So, you know, these failure points are possible, but if you take these measures, then you'll be okay and you'll learn a lot, a lot along the way or something like that. So very good. Yeah, one of the ways that we do the fear email sometimes, I've kind of simplified it by just giving, here's a structure. There's different ways you can do it, right? The one way we do the fear email is, you might be thinking, what if I take this course and I don't succeed and I don't like get anywhere with it? Okay, what's the minimum that you might do? So let's say you only you take two months to finish this course. You could do it in a week, but you take two months to finish it. Okay, fine. And then you spend half an hour a week working on this thing. How much difference is that going to make to your life? Like, and just show, even if you only did that much, like if you never take it at all, okay, right, this isn't going to help you. But if you just did that much, this is what you're where you're likely to get to in a week, a month, three months, six months, what kind of results it's likely to bring in for you. And that can like help people feel like, oh, okay, well, I could do that much. That's reasonable. So you're not like hyping it up. You're almost doing the opposite. You're going, if you just did the minimum. So there's different ways. The point of gain logic and fear is different people have different ways of making decisions. Some people want to know what's my life going to be like if everything's fantastic. Others want to know what's all of the factual core information about it other people are are afraid and scared it's like you know we all have a bit of each of it you know but but to simplify it down you have an email that addresses each of those decision making types and therefore whichever one somebody fits into they're going to get something that's relevant to them some people might be nervous to send six emails in a five-day period. Yeah. And um, you already covered it a little bit before, but I'll mention and highlight that even if you have a a really active email list and people love your emails, not everyone is going to open every email. And it's okay if they don't want to read your email, they just won't open it that day. Maybe they'll just uh, file it away or archive it or something, but it's no big deal to send these this many emails. Once you get over it, I know early on, actually, you know, you'll get an occasional angry email from someone who's having a a very bad day or a bad year or something. And they're just like, screw you. Why are you sending me emails? But they (laughs) they signed up. They signed up for the email. Yeah, there's an unsubscribe button. It's fine. If you don't want the emails from me, thanks so much for letting me know. I'm really sorry that what we're sending through is more than um, what you really wanted to be getting. 
there's there's a couple of ways right you can do this the way we do it is just say if you don't want to get the emails from us anymore then just hit the unsubscribe button we're really sorry to see you go you know we value you as a subscriber but if that's the case that's fine way that i've seen people do that's advanced and i wouldn't recommend to most people to do this because it's just technically harder to set up is they give people a way of opting out of each email sequence so they say in the footer like if you don't want to get any more emails about this topic hit this link and it'll just take you out and then you'll get emails in future but you won't hear anything more about this course it's i i don't think it's worth it but if like that's the real thing that's holding you back from actually sending the emails then i think or you can have that at the top i know some people who put that at the very top of each email just say you know we're going to be talking at the moment about this google ad shop google shopping ads course if you don't want to hear anything more about this just hit this link and you'll only hear from us again when we're talking about the next topic sure it's doable it's trickier though you know so yeah wait up it's a little it's a little more set up i eventually i have added that in there for one particular sequence but at the end of the day it's like people are going to read it or not and it doesn't really matter or they'll unsubscribe and there's a little waste in the system but it's not too big of a deal for me um so uh one thing before we move on the the sales emails that you just described are Mm. probably for a certain price point right if you're just selling a hundred dollar course you probably don't need to send a nine emails so what's a guideline for when to implement a more sophisticated longer sequence well, I, so we send that same sequence even if we're selling like a $27 course uh, because it leads to a higher percentage of people buying it. So I'll give you some numbers around that. You asked for benchmarks originally. Um, and no, normally what we see is about 0.2 to 0.3% of your email list will buy if you do this kind of an email promotion. If you send like the first kind that I mentioned, you know, where it's just a tip and mentioning that something's on sale, you're probably looking at more like 0.1% of people buying stuff from you, which sounds small, but if you make a good e- good size email list, it adds up. You know, we've got clients who are doing that every month and they're making hundreds of thousands of dollars from it. Um, so that's the kind of percentages you're looking at. And like, if it's worth it or not to go from the 0.1 to the 0.3%, you know, make three times as much money by writing these extra emails. I kind of, I guess I leave that up to you to judge. We generally suggest to people, you don't start bothering with this, uh, with anything more like, like this until you've got at least a few thousand people on your email list. Cause then if before that, is it, is it worth it? You maybe do occasional sales, but maybe don't do them every month because the amount of money you make from people from doing it isn't that big. So maybe just do one every couple of months or every few months or something like that. Once you're a few thousand, it starts to be worth it. You know, it starts to really be worth it. Okay, great. So, and anything else on email list, um, or sending emails or anything related to that? No, I think the next thing is to then figure out how do you grow your email list faster? If you've got an audience already, and I know a lot of your audience have got SEO traffic coming in, like they can often grow that email list way faster than they currently are doing. Let's do it. How do we grow the list? Okay. So most people, like 95, 98% of people have got an opt-in rate from their SEO traffic of about 0.5 to 1%. So that means they get a hundred people to their website and they maybe get one person signing up from that good is two percent the best we've ever managed is seven and a half but that's not often possible so i would say three to maybe five percent depending on your niche is where you're going to end up at like three percent is a really good number nearly everybody can get to three 
So that means if you're at 0.5 and you can get to 3%, you could be getting six times as many opt-ins per month as you currently are doing. So you'll end up with a list six times as big. So three really easy ways to do this. Um, and there's a lot more advanced techniques that can improve it further, but I just want to give you the really simple ones first. So first one is turn off double opt-in if you've got it on at the moment. Now, the reason that double opt-in exists is because you want to have good deliverability of your emails. You don't want to be sending emails to people who don't actually exist where the email address is wrong. And the email service providers, you know, MailChimp and ActiveCampaign and so on, they don't want to be having emails go out to dodgy emails because it affects deliverability for everybody who's on the same server as you who's going out. It affects their, their standards. So that's why double opt-in is the simple way to deal with that. Just have one opt-in email that someone has to click on it to actually get onto the list. The problem with it is that there's a whole bunch of people who are good leads and it's the right email and they're interested in your stuff and they never click on that particular link in that particular email because they're busy and their email list is full and they never happen to get to that one email. So the right way to do it is you turn off double opt-in and then every month you go through and you remove people who haven't opted in, in haven't clicked or haven't opened any emails in three months. That means that you're getting rid of the people who aren't a good fit but you're letting people get on there if they actually would have been, they already were a good email, um, had a good, you know, a valid email and they were a good subscriber. They just didn't see that initial email. And if you do that, it'll about double the number of leads that you get per month. Not all of those, obviously good. Some of them will be got rid of again. And it'll increase your revenue overall from the test that we did on this by about 20%. Okay. So that's step one. Really, really straightforward. Step two is whatever your lead magnet is that you've already got, show it more often on your website. So most people have got a lead magnet of some sort. So they don't just say sign up to our newsletter, they say sign up to our newsletter and you will get this free gift. Now there's a whole bunch of stuff that I can get into that we go through with our clients about how you make that lead magnet really good. But today I think what's the easiest thing to do is just put that lead magnet that you've already got in front of more people. Easiest thing is have a pop-up on the website Put within all of your blog posts, put the lead magnet promoted in line within the, um, have an inline um, promotion within the blog post. Top, if you've got a long blog post, 2,000 words or whatever, top, middle and bottom of that post have a link off to the lead magnet. And the best way we find to set this up is you, like someone clicks on that ad about the lead magnet and it brings up a pop-up. So you can do that with opt-in monster or there's a lot of different software that allows you to do that kind of thing. Probably whatever you've got already will allow you to do it. And then also do the same thing in the sidebar. So all we're basically doing is putting the promotion of the lead magnet in more places. Now, the reason why you do this is because you have a bigger, bigger email list. If you're sending the email promotions, you get more revenue from the emails. And of course, if you've got the increased revenue with order bump and upsells, that's increases it further as well. So this makes you more money long-term, especially in course businesses, than promoting products directly. Like way more money long-term than if you just had links in your blogs to offer different courses that you're already selling. So um, I'll give you some examples with this. We had a client in the personal development space, Teal Swan, and they were getting 100 opt-ins every week from their traffic. And we put the lead magnet in every blog post, top, middle, and bottom. We put a pop-up on the site. We put an exit intent pop-up as well. And they went from 100 opt-ins a week to 800 opt-ins a week. Uh, we had a client in the digital painting space called Paintable. They had a really good opt-in rate already. They were at 3.5% before they worked with us. They had a great, great lead magnet that people loved. 
and they added the lead magnet or we added the lead magnet for them to every blog post we added these inline um, promotions for it we improved their pop-up we got rid of distractions we removed anything that's promoting the courses directly and they went up from three and a half percent to about seven percent it was seven and a half when we measured it but let's just say kind of averaged around seven after that so that's how you can increase the opt-ins on site now if you've also got social media youtube instagram facebook whatever else where you've got a good size following then promote your lead magnet there as well. Almost nobody does this. Almost nobody who has a YouTube channel is actually promoting their lead magnet on there. So how do you do that? You mention, this is only for future videos if you're doing YouTube because you can't edit old ones. But at the beginning of the video, say at the end of this video, I'm gonna tell you how you can get this great guide about whatever your topic is. You wanna see an example of this, go check out WODPREP, um, W-O-D-P-R-E-P. So they're like a um, CrossFit course, uh, they sell CrossFit courses. It's made by a friend called Ben Dzwolski. I'm not going to try and spell Dzwolski for you. I don't know. Do you know? Do you know Ben? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. I think he lives in my region over here, up in Wyoming, or if I remember right. I think he's around here. I yeah, I met, I met Ben. Yeah, yeah. He's a really, really cool guy. So he's selling these courses about CrossFit. Jack, dude, he used to compete in CrossFit. Made all these courses about it. Makes all these great videos about it. Fantastic. And if you go and check out one of his about pull-ups, then he'll say at the beginning of it, at the end of this video, where I'm going to give all these tips about pull-ups, you can get this free guide about how to improve your pull-ups. And it's a completely free mini course. And then at the end, he promotes the course and tells you where to go. The reason he tells you to wait till the end is because he wants to have high watch time for his videos so that YouTube rewards him and keeps sending him traffic. So you put it there, you put it at the end of the video, and you also put it in your description of the of underneath the video telling giving people the link for it so we did this with that client teal swan in the personal development space and they had a really big social media following their people on they had followers on youtube and instagram and facebook and all over the place so we went from the 800 that i mentioned before up to 5,000 opt-ins a week we were like <laughs> yeah, i know can you imagine there's that client we've got um who's in the language learning space who she has 10 million YouTube subscribers and she gets 50,000 opt-ins a week. So it's like, you know, all of this stuff, if you've got a big audience, all of this stuff is multiplied. If you've got a small audience, still worth doing it, you know, but like just to give some, some examples of how, how crazy this can go. So all of those things mean that more people see your lead magnet, more people opt in and therefore you build up your list faster. And then if you're doing email promotions, then you make more money from that as well. And the whole thing all compounds. Got it. One quick follow-up, and I know we're coming up towards the end here for mm -hmm. the double opt-in and cleaning the list on a monthly basis. I know some of the email clients have changed how the email service providers can track the opens. So do you have mm -hmm. any concerns around that? And this is you know, something that has been iterating and going on for a couple of years, but I know even on Kajabi, they have a little pop-up like, hey, we can't track open rates very well. So do you have any concerns on that? Like, are you kicking people off your list when you clean it that shouldn't be kicked off because they have some extra privacy settings going on? Or what do you think about that? Yeah, there is some danger around that. I agree. So one of the big issues is that on the iPhone, you can no longer track um, opens. The way that opens attract is that there's a one pixel by one pixel white square in the background that loads. And when it loads, that tells the 
uh, email service provider, this person opened the email. And those just don't work on, they don't work with Hey, they don't work with iPhone on iPhones. There's just no way of tracking it anymore. Um, if somebody hasn't, but what you still can do as best, the best of my knowledge, and um, I'll need to maybe check this, double check this with the delivery team, but you can check if someone's clicked. If someone clicks through, there's a specific, you know, unique link and you should be able to tell if it was them that clicked. Now, if in three months, somebody hasn't clicked anything, then it's like, oh, maybe they're good. Maybe they're not. I don't know. You know, that's trickier because click rates are much, much lower than open rates. So that's one side of things. The other thing is we'll always do, before we delete people from the list, we'll always do a, um, a re-engagement campaign where we'll email them and say, look, we're planning on taking you off the list because it looks like you're not opening these emails anymore and we don't want to bother somebody if you don't actually want to get the emails from us. If you want to get these emails in future, then click here. And we'll often include a free gift. You know, if you click here, we're going to give you this, you know, we're going to send you straight away through some useful guide or what have you to to get people to click on that link as well. And doing that, it's really interesting, right? When you do that, it actually re-engages a portion of your list who weren't previously opening the emails or weren't paying much attention to them. Um, you want to have a nice compelling headline in there as well. If you if you Google re-engagement campaigns, you'll probably find some templates. And by doing that, you re-engage people who weren't previously opening the emails. And then the revenue from the next email promotion goes up. And we do this on a regular basis and we've tracked this and it's like a significant number of sales come from those re-engaged people who previously weren't opening anything, which is fantastic. There is still a danger that, yeah, you're going to delete somebody who would have been a good fit and who then didn't see the re-engagement emails, but you've got to do something about it. Otherwise, your deliverability will go down and then overall you'll get less people receiving your emails, less people opening them, less sales. Okay. So it's a problem to solve and it's worth it because of the higher number of people that will sign up because of the single opt-in versus the double opt-in. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So as we're wrapping up here, we're going to let you know, uh, or John, you could tell us where people can find you. And mm -hmm. I also want to know, because you, you help course creators specifically, but who's the right kind of person or a company to to work with you. So, uh, two questions in there, and I'll let you let you rip here. Cool. Yeah. So we work with six or seven figure online course business owners. So someone's at that level already, and they want to increase their revenue. Then uh, we can help at that point. If someone wants to find out a little bit more, the place to start is go to pimpyourfunnel.com. There's a form there. You fill out a few fr few quick questions, and what we'll do is we'll figure out a personalized plan for your business how much extra revenue you could make with all the steps I've been going through today, what step to work on first. We'll send you some training on how to do it to kind of help build trust so that you know that we're kosher, we know what we're doing. Um, and if you're at that level, if you're at six figures already or even seven figures, then what we'll also do is do your free funnel review. So we'll go through and we'll get one of my team members, probably Martina, to review your funnels, to go through your homepage, your sales page, your checkout page, and give you feedback about exactly what you could do to make more money from it. And again, that's just so that you know, you know, you can we can help kind of build trust with you. And then after that, we've got a, uh, a couple of things. We've got a done with you program where people work with us and we show them what to do, and then we support them and help them to actually put it into place. And they only pay us a percentage of the increase in revenue. So there's an upfront audit that everybody has to pay for, but after that, we only charge for a percentage of increase in revenue. So you don't, if you don't make any more money, you don't pay us a cent. Um, 
The second thing is if you like, that's cool, not that interested in working with you, John, I just would like to learn more about this, then you can check out our podcast, which is The Art of Selling Online Courses. And in that every week, I interview either somebody from my team about how to do these funnels better, or a case study of a client or somebody else who sells courses like Doug's come on the podcast. And I think that episode will be up in the next kind of month or so. And kind of what they've done and how that worked. Or I do an episode interviewing an expert about how do you drive more traffic. So maybe SEO or Google ads or Facebook ads or what have you, you know, how can you drive more traffic to build your business faster? So that's the art of selling online courses. Got it. That's fantastic. We'll link up to everything so people can get to it. And I have to compliment you on on the offer with the the done with you where you only get a percentage of the increase. Like that's real real true confidence in the systems and you know it's gonna work. That's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah, always works. <laughs> awesome. Well, John, this has been a pleasure. Thanks a lot. And um, we'll talk to you soon. Cool. Thanks, Doug.